Welcome to the podcast. So we've been talking about some really heavy and rather important topics with spiritual warfare. So today I want to do one last episode wrapping up this series about all the things I either forgot to tell you that I think are worth repeating and a couple more lessons learned. I'm really excited because this is where the rubber meets the road. Let's get into it. You're listening to Women Speaking Truth, a podcast that inspires women to know God deeper and equips them to take the next step in their God-given callings. My name is Andy Bruce, and I'm so passionate about helping women develop their character and understand their callings that I went out and got a doctorate degree in leadership. Now I'm sharing practical tools about leadership development through a biblical lens so that God can empower and ignite ordinary women like you and I to make his impact on our world. So there's a couple other things. You know, when you're saying goodbye, I do this all the time. I hope you do, because to me, this feels so normal. Like if I'm leaving the kids, if Andy and I are going out and I'm leaving the kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, a couple of things I forgot to tell you. One, two, three, like, don't do this, do this, make sure. Okay, you know where the phone is, where's the phone? You know what I mean? All those little nuts and bolts where for me, when I'm exiting something, it feels like suddenly everything is really important. So I've just got to say it. That's how it feels with this particular series. We're wrapping up. We've talked about a whole lot when it comes to spiritual warfare. We've talked about the origins. We've talked about how actual, how real this spiritual warfare stuff is. And man, for me, this is so important. It's like to remember that spiritual warfare is spiritual, that Satan is a spiritual being, and so am I. And that is what he does, is he uses his spiritual, essentially voice and tactics to conduct spiritual warfare, oftentimes that's going to land first in our mind. So that's what we're talking about today. I want to talk about a few principles that I've learned or that I feel like, man, this would feel incomplete without passing this stuff on. Ready? Number one. So I want to tell you the story first, and then I'm going to tell you the principle. I've referred to uh, this specific season of time where, man, God was doing new and deep things in me. At the same time, there was a group of us women who were meeting regularly, and God was doing new and deep work in women individually and in us as a whole. It was just a really special time spiritually and formatively. So much so that even 10 years later, I still have women like this last weekend, I ran into a woman who used to be part of that really tight knit community. And she came up and she's like, I just need you to know those weeks, those months changed my life. Like I'm where I am today because of what God did in me. And those, I don't know, she probably wasn't even with us that long. There was like six months probably for her. And this is true for me too. Like looking back at that season, it was hard. It was fun. But overall of like what comes to mind at the top of the list is God was moving significantly in me. So around that same time or at that same time, this is when spiritual warfare for me hit the fan. It was like, 
I felt like a human punching bag, but I thought it was me and my own sin. And trust me, there's evidence to validate that. Like that's not out of left field. But eventually it was like, oh, something spiritual is happening. This is spiritual warfare. Oh, this is what it looks like. No way. And I was totally caught off guard, which is where lots of the last couple episodes came from, right? But I want to talk to you about toward the end of that season of spiritual warfare specifically, uh, things were, even though I was getting stronger and I think better at guarding my mind and confessing sin and those other things, uh, even catching on like, this isn't me. I'm not just crazy. This is spiritual attack and using the name of Jesus with my faith confidently. Even though I was not so much of a punching bag, it didn't mean that spiritual warfare was slowing down for me. In fact, the last uh, probably six to 10 months of this particular season of spiritual warfare, it heightened like nobody's business. I'm not even comfortable sharing specifics because I, I just don't think it's helpful. All I can tell you is it turned into a game. Remember, uh, if you listened last week, it went from a game of cat and mouse to a game of simply hitting beneath the belt. That's what I felt like. I'm like, now he's just playing dirty. Now he's violating the rules. And so I want to talk to you about this first thing that I am going to say, make sure to do this. At the end of that season, uh, I had been having a small handful of these um, demonic dreams. I don't just mean having bad dreams. Nope. I mean demonic. In this particular instance, um, I woke up in the middle of the night with that same thing happening of another strongly demonic dream. Um, I, especially at that time, I knew intimately the sense and awareness of the presence of God in my life, but also in my room or in my house or in a place where we would gather. It was like, oh, the presence of God is here. When I awoke from this particular dream that I'm not going to describe, it's unnecessary. But when I awoke from it, it wasn't just that I knew that there was a demonic dream given to me as a form of spiritual warfare. I knew that, but I also knew the presence of the evil one is in my bedroom now. Uh, it, listen, it is not an over-exaggeration to say I was terrified, like capital T, like all uppercase letters, terrified. Um, you know that sense when you can't shake the feeling of a dream, even though you know logically that was a dream and I'm no longer in that. I'm in present day reality and it's two different things. It didn't matter. And I think a major reason was part of the um, hitting beneath the belt of how the enemy was simply treating me was there was his presence in our bedroom. 
I quickly reached over. Uh, actually, I didn't. I was laying in bed and thinking, um, use the name of Jesus. Like, Andy, your faith in and your confidence in using the name of Jesus. And my eyes were wide open. There was nothing about me that wanted to go back to sleep. I was simply terrified. It kind of felt uh, like a little bit of paralysis, like that much fear that there was paralysis. And another thing that I learned was doing this out loud. So I'll get to that in a moment. So I'm literally laying in bed, just simply terrified, like shaking, physically, just a little bit of shaking. And I could hear the catching of my breath because everything was just scary and my senses were heightened uh, significantly. So I was praying out loud a little bit, like whispery, and my husband stirred and he said, "Uh, are you okay? And I said, honey, and he by that time had some awareness, like he was no longer just groggy and sleepy. He was like, what is happening Because he could sense also something is wrong, 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 and we're in danger. And he said, what is happening? What's going on? And I said, hon, I had a dream. And I described to him the dream. And I was choked up. I was certainly scared. He was scared because he could tell. And he said, let's pray. So we sat up in bed and we're just praying. Um, Like while one of us would pray, the other one was just saying, Jesus, 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 like out loud, um, literally for our protection in that moment, because there was just a sense of danger isn't around us. Danger is here. So when we eventually stopped praying, Andy said, why did you do this alone? And he said, a new rule for the Bruce household. We do not do this speaking specifically about spiritual warfare. We do not do this alone. I'll tell you, I don't think I'm going to remember or forget that for a really long time. One, because of the fact that Andy woke up and he was like, whoa, something is wrong, 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 wrong. But two, because he said, new rule. And he really corrected. He's like, you do not do spiritual warfare alone. Like, this is dangerous. Why would you put you and all of us in that position? Now, he didn't say those words. I'm I'm speaking for him. Um, He did not say that, but it was corrective. It was like, you don't do this alone, Andy. Why would you do? I'm right here. You wake me up. You come get me. You call me every single time. Like, I'm your covering. That's what I'm here for. So for me, this was a an eye-opener because I felt like previous to this, my job as someone who stands with Christ um, was to stand with Christ kind of alone when there were these blatant and obvious spiritual warfare episodes like this. And what Andy did was he was, oh, by the way, my husband's name is Andy. So if I probably should have said that a couple minutes ago. So if you're confused, there's two of us, Andy boy and a girl. Sorry about that. But him drawing a very definitive line that I still abide by today has just been the most helpful thing. So when friends or 
girls or women are talking to me about this kind of stuff. It's like, hey, rule number one, you don't do this alone. Just like the lion, the metaphor of the lion who is on the hunt to kill the prey. He does that on a very individual basis, just like a lion. You know, when we watch on Discovery Channel, has his scope set on one and he goes after the one. Meaning if there's a pack around you, you are far less vulnerable and susceptible. Even after the lion strikes a little bit, like he did me in that dream that particular night, immediately my sheep got right next to me. It, there is a weakening when we refuse to isolate, period, because the enemy's objective is to isolate and insulate, to isolate you, meaning to make you feel so stupid, to make you feel embarrassed, humiliated that you would even need to, or think to, or want to call in a reinforcement. He isolates. That is his end game is not just isolate you from the rest of the body of Christ, but even and especially to isolate you from God. Because our own fear, our own insecurity, our own sense of hearing whatever the whispers or intimidation from the evil one is, there have been so many times personally where that has isolated me from others. Like they're going to think this is stupid or I'm needy or... I shouldn't need help doing this. But even from God, like, uh, we get scared and we isolate, then we insulate. What I mean by that is think of your head as a container. I was taught that to know God, I needed to read my Bible for 20 minutes every day, and I did this for years. And I wanted other women to know God, so I led and I taught Bible studies. But I always thought, surely there's got to be more to it than this. Then there was a night at my house with friends. We were gathered around the Bible. And instead of like a traditional teacher and a traditional outline or fill in the blanks, there was like this collaboration that happened where her insights and her ideas and her perspectives blew the lid off of traditional Bible study. And that was the night that truth groups were born. It's a way of reading the Bible with others that's changing lives. In truth groups, we gather as equals. Seriously, there's no teacher, there's no leader. And there's a really amazing structure that makes all of this possible. And when that happens, there's such ownership of my time in the Word, of our Bible study, and of our group. And there's a really simple process. It's so simple. And it makes Bible reading enjoyable, understandable, and allows women to know what they're looking at in Scripture and why. Everything you need for a powerful, fun, engaging experience with God is these couple things. Your Bible, your people, and a truth group journal. If you've got that, get ready. The Bible is going to come alive for you. So to get your truth group journal, just visit truthgroups.com backslash journals. And think about your head as a container and the attacks of the evil one acting as insulation, holding in, I mean really holding in, and keeping out anything else like insulation the purpose of it is to hold in the air right 
and think of this like your mind being now under spiritual attack where the enemy has inserted his voices his lies and his accusations these are his tactics into your mind then what spiritual warfare does it acts like insulation okay so there's isolation you going oh i'm all by myself it's embarrassing to call in reinforcements because i don't even know what i'm talking about i feel like i'm crazy and then there's this aspect of isolation uh, i'm sorry of insulation where you feel like you're stuck and you're spinning in the thoughts of the evil one and you can't get out of it, not very easily. This is where the power of not doing this alone really comes into play because it defeats both those things. Suddenly there's no isolation. I have my guy here. I've got my people. I've got my couple girlfriends where I'm like, uh, hey, something's funk. I think something weird, maybe satanic is happening. Can you pray? And they're like, I'm with you. Boom. I'm not isolated. I've got the pack around me because I'm vulnerable and their job is through prayer to stand. And they do circle around me with prayer. Then no longer can there be insulation of me staying within the lies and schemes and plots of the evil one in my mind. So this has been huge. I don't do this alone. And for Andy to be like, whoa, new rule in the Bruce house. We don't do this alone has changed fundamentally my approach when it comes to spiritual warfare. So a couple other things that have made for me personally, a massive difference. The other one is not only do I not do this alone, but second, I do it out loud. So I just want to clarify here. One thing, and I want to say this, and I feel like this sounds really obvious, but I don't at all think it's obvious when you're in it. When there's spiritual warfare happening, it's a spiritual attack from the evil one to your spirit that often lands in the mind, right? We've talked about this so many times, but here's what's interesting to me. Every time for me, still today, with so many opportunities to catch these concepts and experience them, Every single time still today, it feels like I'm going crazy. It does. And I'll tell myself over and over again in my mind, which might be a lie from the enemy. Let's just say it. That's like a good one, right? It's like, I'm going crazy. I feel like I'm going crazy. I feel like I'm going crazy. I'll hear this thought repeatedly kind of here and there and here and there and here and there. That, you guys, when you have that thought, that's not typical for you. That ought to be a pretty big red flag that something else could be happening. Because when I'm in in my thoughts and guarding my thoughts really well, I don't feel like I'm going crazy. I'll make little jokes like, ah, I'm such a goofball and oh, I'm so crazy. But this is different. This is sort of this idea of, am I losing my mind? This is huge when it comes to spiritual warfare. So then add this next idea to it. I do the prayer part of spiritual warfare out loud. You want to talk about going crazy? Start, it doesn't help, right, to do things out loud because we're okay with praying in our minds and in our imaginations. But when there's this feeling in our minds that something's not right, that we're um, believing real weird things that are not typical to us, then there's this uh, idea of, I'm crazy. I feel like I'm going crazy. And then 
just to put the icing on the cake, we start doing some major spiritual warfare out loud. You, I just want to say, my friends, it does feel in those moments like, see, I was right. I am losing my mind. But as wacky as it feels and kind of like, yep, I must be going crazy to do the prayer part of spiritual warfare out loud for me personally. Other people have totally different ideas and experiences. Great. More power to them. I just want you to know for me personally, keeping it in my imagination, keeping my prayers of using the name of Jesus and adding faith to it to combat spiritual warfare. I don't know how to say this. It's like weenie prayer for me personally. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying with how God's wired me and how God's taught me, it feels like, um, it feels like I'm being a spiritual weenie, like not stepping up to the plate. However, when my mouth has to form the spiritual words of in the name of Jesus, shut up and go back to hell where you belong in Jesus name, not in my name, not because of my prayers, but because of him. There is something where my faith becomes rock solid when my lips are forced to form those words and my voice is shaky and kind of like little girlish at first, but by the end, it has so much belief in Jesus. Like, I'm like, you better run because Jesus already did this. So get out. I have such firmness. And again, this could be fully my personality and so not yours. That's fine. I'm just sharing my experience. My boldness, not in me, not in my prayer, but in who Jesus is and what he's already accomplished, it comes through. And think about it this way. If there's, I know it's not like this. This is maybe a um, dismissive uh, metaphor, but can you just be gracious and go with this for a moment? If there was a big bully, aka Satan, on the playground or in the neighborhood, picking on the little kid who just has no, no experience, no years, and can't fight for herself, right? And obviously you and I are the little kid. There is something to using strong words of like, I believe it. It's going to happen. You better get out of here because my dad's going to come and he's going to tell you what's up. You better run. Like ferocity, that bully is just a kid. He or she doesn't stick around. He's or she is like, okay, we got a jet. And this is true when I pray out loud when there's spiritual warfare and rebuking the evil one. Even in my car the other day, a strange thought crossed my mind. That's just unusual for me. Even this morning as I was praying, strange thoughts that are not typical for me. Um, really not typical. I was like, what on earth? And at first I was like, Lord, forgive me. That, I, I'm surprised that I feel this way about that thing. And then I was like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. This has not been true. And suddenly these strong thoughts, nope. And literally out loud, I said, in the name of Jesus, cut it. Get out. Go to hell where you belong. And I, it just feels like doing this, like clapping your hands together, like done, done. One more thing that just is extremely important in this conversation is that when it comes to 
things for me personally that I recall and I'm very aware of when there seems to be consistent spiritual attack in my mind, lies, doubts, beliefs that are untrue, uh, accusations in my mind about somebody else. And they are consistent. They're sort of like, eh, this has been happening for the past couple days. What's happening here? After rebuking the evil one out loud comes this, okay, Lord, is there anything in me at all that you would be gracious and kind enough to highlight in my heart and my mind and my words and behavior that give the evil one some residence to speak these lies. Because imagine if we're letting the devil have a field day with what we're looking at, how we're talking. For me, literally TV shows that I'm listening to, if we're giving space for the enemy to enter our mind through those external things or internal things, the way that we're thinking about ourselves, then FYI, it's just a wide door for the enemy to slip in unannounced, uninvited, but still you're playing with fire. So why not have someone come in and join you? So where we are surrounding ourselves with things that are, uh, God does not approve and it's damaging already to our sinful nature. And the result of those icky things brings destruction to our soul. Well, then why wouldn't Satan who wants the destruction of your soul, join in. So, of course, we know uh, James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So what does that tell us? That if I don't resist the devil, kind of makes a little path, a little parkway for him. Uh, these are super, super important for us to catch on. First Peter 5, 8 talks about using our spiritual eyes of having awareness of what our behavior is doing. So these are things along with guarding my mind. I have become, and it's just God's mercy to me, a watchdog, a watchdog. And it has taken years to become a watchdog in my own mind of my own thoughts and of thoughts that feel foreign, of thoughts like I was describing a minute ago where it's like, eh, this has not been true for months and months and months. And suddenly I'm like, yeah, I'm having really strong feelings that are not cute, that are sinful about a situation. And for me, I'm like, wait a second. Mm -mm -mm. How can I catch it fast? Because I have learned the hard way. If I'm not going to be guarding my mind, um, even in spite, I, I do believe God does graciously guard our mind because of the Holy Spirit residing in us. And part of the Holy Spirit residing in us is God guarding our minds with us. But if I don't want my mind guarded, or if I don't really care, then I don't know how I'm going to grow in maturity in this area. So, hey, we've talked about a whole lot today. We've talked about my family's golden rule when it comes to spiritual warfare, we don't do this alone. We've talked about insulation and isolation and how that is the enemy's motive or motive operation of he loves to isolate us. And then what happens is those thoughts get insulated or stuck. That's why not doing it alone, doing spiritual warfare prayer out loud, 
and really observing where has my heart been? Uh, what have I, for me, what have I been listening to or watching? What are my thoughts naturally going toward? Those things can really influence uh, through an open avenue for the enemy to come and do damage. And then finally, this idea of being a watchdog over your own mind, wherever you're at, there's room to keep going and to just be really uh, poignantly aware of what's exactly taking place in your mind. All right, folks, we've talked about so much with spiritual warfare. And I want to tell you, as we've been doing this, I've been praying for you. I don't know who you are specifically, but that whatever ears are on the other side of this podcast, that God would do a new work, a new training. Even if you've been at this spiritually for a really long time, and you could have done a far better job teaching on the podcast about this very subject, it's kind of like how um, law enforcement officers or military or even teachers, like if there's a profession, everybody gets professional development. You know what I mean? It keeps you sharp. It keeps you thinking. And I pray that this has been that for you. If you're on the new end of this where it's like, I don't know, I knew I should be guarding my mind, but I didn't really have ideas of what that looked like practically. I'm praying that this will jumpstart and that the Holy Spirit would just bring back some of the things that we've talked about on here so that the mistakes that I've learned, maybe you don't have to learn from them because that's us being in it together. So keep guarding your mind. And I can't wait uh, for the next podcast series that we have coming up. Until then, uh, thanks for listening.